Hi, welcome to the Family Collective. Today I want to talk about cancel culture. Is it our job to be canceling each other or is our job to be more kingdom minded? One of the things that I believe that God has told me recently is we should be dealing with kingdom culture, not cancel culture. So what is happening right now? Our latest social trend is to cut someone out or remove them from your life permanently. Cancel culture tells us that we must pay for our mistakes. It doesn't matter if you were intentional or not. It really doesn't matter if it means anything, if you've already asked for forgiveness. Bottom line, you've made a mistake. You are marked as not forgiven and you are canceled. You are targeted for judgment no matter how long ago you messed up. When I was growing up, Dr. Seuss was a major uh, player with kids' books, so you can tell how old I am. But he is one of the more famous figures to find themselves trending or being declared over at this point. Some of his children's books are among the multitudes of celebrity casualties in cancel culture 2021. I know how confusing it can be. In fact, I've been mildly canceled myself lately, once due to a misread on a social media post and another time by a friend. And I want to make it clear on a couple of things. As far as the social media is concerned, someone decided, did not ask for clarification, and bam, shut the information down. Worse yet, the post was about helping heal family and was clearly misunderstood. However, my friend had a right to be angry at me. I overstepped my boundary and I apologized. But the big question is, what is too far? What is so harmful and unforgivable that makes it essential to cut a person out of your life? Here's what I understand people are trying to do by canceling something or someone. Wounded or offended people are trying to set new boundaries around some thoughts or behaviors that do not work for them. Or more importantly, actions that they believe have harmed them. Cancel culture is based on the belief that you are no better than your worst moment, no matter when it happened. This year, Chris Harrison, the longtime host of ABC's The Bachelor, decided to step aside after defending a content. This year, Chris Harrison, the longtime host of ABC's The Bachelor, decided to step aside after defending a contestant. What happened? were the release of pictures of her attending an Old South party. Of course, we can't excuse purposeful or hateful or harmful behavior, but does the punishment fit the crime? I know I would not have wanted to be judged in my life for all of my dumb actions or behaviors. So what is cancel culture? Media has provided us with the following definition a highly punitive approach to disagreement or perceived transgressions based on the strict fidelity, usually progressive, that elevates performance, outrage over dialogue, factual inquiry, or respect for values such as free speech or fair process. So how do these new culture rules or boundaries work? 
We understand that healthy boundaries in our relationships allow us to set rules or limits on people's behaviors or words. Their main job is to establish a reasonable, safe, and permissible way to, for other people to behave, especially in our lives. In addition, boundaries establish guidelines on how to respond when someone steps outside those limits. The easiest way to think about what a boundary or property line is, according to Cloud and Townsend, is that similar to what we've seen in a no trespassing sign, which sends us a clear warning message that if you violate the boundary, there will be some consequences. Some authors tell us good boundaries will eliminate toxic people from your life. As a professional counselor, I've often talked with people about how to create, maintain, and establish these lines in their lives. Please understand that it is especially important if anyone is physically or emotionally harming you, they must be stopped immediately. But for all other offenses, when do we decide it is important to eliminate people from our lives? When do we cancel them because they're deadly? What is the line here? More importantly, is it possible we cancel because we don't know what to do? We do not want know how to or want to deal with the difficult situation. Or worse yet, we are unsure of how to navigate the uncomfortable process of repair and restoration. I think good boundaries are necessary for all people. In fact, clear boundaries are important in any relationship. Cloud and Townsend again tell us the top reasons for these lines. They include things like to practice self-care and self-respect, to communicate your needs, to make time and space for positive interactions, and to set limits in a relationship in a way that are healthy. Let us not miss the most important train of thought in this definition, Good boundaries provide us a way to communicate our needs in a relationship. The idea is to figure out how to change and hopefully improve the interaction with the person to make the relationship better. Where have we heard this before? You know, as people of love, faith-based believers, even social justice seekers, making others feel important and accepted is our main goal. We believe our relationships are always worth restoring. God has given humans the tools and talent to be relationship repair experts. For this very reason, a significant amount of the New Testament is devoted to teaching us how to get along with one another. Philippians 2, 1 through 2 says, If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Relationships are complicated. They are messy, difficult, and they often take a lot of work. Sometimes they go poorly and people hurt us, and sometimes we hurt them. It is true, hurt people can hurt people. Fortunately, God knew this, and so he gave us practical wisdom and godly counsel. Steps to restoring rather than canceling 
will take some humility on our part. It is easier to quit or not try. However, quitting is dangerous to your physical and emotional well-being. Perhaps the most shocking statistics around withdrawal and loneliness involve the physical effects that it has on the body. McMurray, the former U.S. Surgeon General, has written that social isolation or withdrawing has the same physical effects on us as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And here's a real tough one. Isolation can lead to chronic loneliness, which increases our odds of an early death by 26%. Wow. You may ask, how can we have unity in a season of such divisiveness? Many of us call for unity without an acknowledgement of where unity resides. Unity only comes from the Lord in our willingness to follow his plan. And he put all things under his feet and gave as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Unity created by man is no better than lawlessness. Why? It does not carry the same power as the spirit. If we're going to overcome the evil of this time, we cannot do it with words alone. Our actions must transform the hearts that are full of bitterness and pain. What do we forfeit when we cancel versus restore? We lose our generational blessing and the power of connection. 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 tells us, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is of the Spirit. Beloved, let us one lo- love one another, for love is from God. Most importantly, all the good news of the gospel rests on all of our need for restoration. The Bible commands us to honor others, to live in peace when it's possible. You know, the instructions are quite clear. Some of us might say it's not our problem. We may feel we're not part of the withdrawing culture. We may need to challenge each other on this. We need to be part of the solution. How does kingdom culture show us how to treat and respond to other people? Well, here are a couple of actions that we can work on to repair relationships. Number one, it's important to be the first, not the last. When we accuse others unfairly or criticize, belittle, and make fun of them, the relationship suffers. We tell ourselves it's nothing or it's just innocent play, but over time, a tiny sore can become a gaping wound. What starts as a tense or strained relationship begins to fracture and becomes maybe even openly hostile if the hurt is not addressed. Jesus said in Matthew, if you enter a place of worship about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. And then and only then come back and work things out with God. The second thing we can do 
is understand it's always necessary to confess and apologize for your part of the problem. And what does this look like? We need to remember that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. I think many people confuse these restoration steps. As a result, we barrel forward, slap on a smile and say, I'm fine, and we say it a lot. However, the reality is we're not fine. It may look okay on the surface, but underneath we are struggling. In fact, it takes two people to reconcile a relationship fully. Hard conversations, hurt feelings, and broken trust are all a part of the messy makeover. However, little by little, two willing hearts can restore the relationship. Jesus said, first get rid of the log from your own eye. Then perhaps you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. That's Matthew 7, 5. Forgiveness does not bring instant healing or a warm, fuzzy feeling. It also does not mean you tolerate or excuse wrong behavior. Unfortunately, reconciliation is not always possible. However, we must do everything we can to restore our relationships. A godly appeal means coming in the right tone, timing, and spirit in a way that shows love and concern for the other person, even if they are an enemy. And that's hard. It involves humility and being willing to affirm the other person, even while telling them how their actions or words were hurtful or wrong. Psalms tells us in Psalm 73, when my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, I was as stupid as an animal. Jesus said again in Matthew, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know, we should all be thankful. We serve a heavenly father who has chosen reconciliation above judgment. His standard is not easy but it is the only thing that helps us rise above our own affiliations of hate and division. I know that it's imperative that we work on restoration, that we put kingdom culture before cancel culture in our own lives. I ask that you think about these things that we talked about today and bless other people with what you know, how God treats each one of us, so we're to treat others. Thank you for being with us at the Family Collective, and I look forward to talking again with you very soon.